0: Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go go go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota, again, to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Welcome in to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar with you as always, and joining me, my old pal, the biggest Chicago Bears fan that I know, but also uh, was a trained Minnesota Vikings analyst with his uh, show on Score North, and we got fired together, so we're bonded that way as well, Rami Maklov, What's going on, Rami?
1: Not a whole lot, and I mean that as much as I've ever met that, Matthew Collar, not a whole lot. <laughs>
0: Well, what I know is you've had plenty of time to look over the hot routes that I've prepared, because you're doing nothing else except for raising your dog, basically, right?
1: That's right. Just walking my dog and doing yoga, which nobody wants to see or hear about. No,
0: nope, definitely not. Please do not go into details. You know what is the worst part about this, I'm sure, for you, is that you are a huge baseball fan, and... You know, we got little severance packages, so you could have just hung out and watched baseball like every yeah. day, twenty four seven. And instead, no baseball. Yes.
1: Yeah, I've thought about that. I've thought like this would be a much more enjoyable experience being unemployed. That is, if I just had baseball to watch, which in any other time in the history of America for almost 150 years now, that would have been the case. But not in 2020. Not in 2020, Matthew Collar. That is not the case in 2020.
0: Do you just want a second here, because I've got lots of football to talk with you, especially we're going to focus on the Bears, and then I've got some fun hot routes. But do you want a second to rant about Rob Manfred and the fact that baseball hasn't come back? Because I'll give you that if you want to.
1: I can't, how, believe, how, I how can't have, believe it. How have they not figured this out yet? How is this a thing that this was, and you hate to put it this way because there's a pandemic going on. People are sick. People are dying. Businesses are closing. People like you and me are losing their job. But in every crisis, there is an opportunity, Matthew Collar. And the opportunity here for Rob Manford and the owners of Major League Baseball, whatever hit they would take financially in 2020, they would make back their money tenfold in, in what they could have done for the popularity of baseball by saving a bored nation that is desperate for sports right now and being the only game in town baseball could have been safely being played probably i don't know two weeks ago three weeks ago in a sportless landscape people would have come flocking back to baseball and thanking rob manford and the owners for giving this to us for bringing this to america and saving us all but no no, they—they're they're being greedy. They're going to try and squeeze every penny they can possibly squeeze out of these players in these negotiations. I saw another proposal come across today that looks promising. That looks like something that the players' association might accept. It's going to be a 72-game schedule, but the fact that this hasn't been done yet and they haven't already been playing bat- baseball for a couple of weeks is kind of ridiculous and just another sign that Rob Manfred is. Just really bad at what he does, Matthew Collins.
0: You feel better? You haven't had you haven't really been able to do that in any sort of uh, medium felt, in a long time.
1: I felt really good. Thank you for giving me the form to do that. I yeah. really appreciate it. It is
0: a football podcast, but you know rants are welcome. So, all right, well let's let's get into some football here. Um, the Chicago Bears are one of the most interesting teams in the NFL going into this season because you can make a case that they still have a really strong roster and all the bones of the team that they had in 2018 that was a field goal away, sorry for the reminder, Rami, uh, from advancing in the playoffs. And who knows how far they go after that. They would have had to go down to New Orleans, I think, if had they won that game. That would have been pretty tough for them. But um, still, you know, a lot of great players on this team. A lot of great defensive players on this team. And weapons to work with. Allen Robinson does not get the credit he deserves. Uh, Tariq Cohen has become one of the most dynamic players in the league. But they've been held back by their quarterback. So let's go on the assumption that Nick Foles is the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Do you feel like they found something good here with Nick Foles and someone who has proven that at very least they can win with a high ceiling uh, when things go right? Or do you look at it as guys, you could have had Cam Newton and you went with
1: Nick Foles. Cam, Cam Newton. I would have taken Jameis Winston. I would, I mean, there's there a number of quarterbacks on the market. This, this offseason season collar via trades, via free agency. that I would have taken before Nick Foles is, he, he, I mean, he's okay. He'll probably be better than Mitch Trubisky. But that's assuming that he's the starter. And I don't know that we can make... When they made the move, that was my assumption. But that was before we all knew exactly what the coronavirus and this pandemic was going to do to the NFL offseason. I got to believe that with all the offseason activities that Nick Foles normally would have had to familiarize himself with the offense, to familiarize himself with the players on the offense... That right now Mitchell Trubisky has the upper hand to be the starting quarterback when the season starts. I don't know how long he'll be able to hold on to that job, but even if Nick Foles wins it, I don't expect a huge upgrade from from the quarterback position. Nick Foles is a guy who's looked good for stretches, for four to six game stretches, including one very important stretch where he went and won a Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. But don't don't let that fool you into thinking that Nick Foles. is is somebody who's going to come in and change a franchise he's not that i I still think that this bears team really it 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 hinges on on the defense and whether or not they can get lucky enough for lack of a better term to get the turnovers that they got a couple years ago in that 2018 season you talked about because that defense was really good last year in terms of slowing down and topping stopping offenses but what they didn't have and what was the difference from from 2018 was that the ball just wasn't landing in Chicago Bears defensive players' hands and wasn't landing in spots where Bears players could fall on it or scoop it up. And that, that a lot of the time, Collar, you know this as well as I do, is literally a matter of how the ball bounces and, like I said, for lack of a better term, luck. I think if the Bears can find the opportunities for those turnovers again, you could see 2018 all over again. But I don't expect a huge jump from from the offensive side of the ball, whether it's Trubisky or whether it's it's it's, it's Nick Foles under seven.
0: Do you think Matt Nagy is a good coach? Um, because in a way, I wonder how we can really tell with as bad as Mitch Trubisky is. Because it's not just that you know Mitch Trubisky isn't in the right situation, and he's flash this or that he's been at inaccurate the entire time he has been a Chicago bear and has not taken a single step forward. so even if the offense wasn't great last year in its design or whether it doesn't fit him or whatever other you know, excuse you might want to make when the guy can't drop back and throw an accurate pass to somebody who's wide open, I don't know what you're supposed to do there as a head coach, but I also remember all the goofy nonsense with the kickers and having everybody uh, do the Augusta silence. If you recall that uh, as all the kickers tried out after Cody Parkey missed, I mean, I'm not sure that he is a good coach. There's, there's two
1: parts to being, to being a coach, especially when you're a coach who is hired because of your, your offensive prowess, your offensive genius and, and what he did under Andy Reid and for that Chiefs offense in his time in Kansas City. And what is to do just that and to be a really, really good offensive play caller, to be really smart and innovative in designing an offense. And the other part of it is to be a... Get, do you have any sort of sound effect for cliches? To be a leader of men. Uh, boy, and y- I, y- I think y- that's I, that was the sound that effect. For leader part, of men. <laughs> I really think that second part. He is, he is pretty good at that. When you look at how this season went last year, and the fact that that locker room stayed pretty cohesive, pretty together, pretty upbeat, and and had good spirits. They they didn't really turn on the coach. They didn't turn on each other. It never really got ugly in Chicago, as as disappointing of a season as it was, and they actually started to turn things around a little bit and gave some, including myself, a glimmer of hope that maybe the postseason was was still a possibility. They fell short of that. The, The first part that I talked about, Collar, of what he's actually doing with X's and O's and designing an offense and calling plays and developing the quarterback that they hired him to develop, I think that's where he's really failed. And yet, Mitch Trubisky has his fault. But Mitch Trubisky also has some strengths. And my criticism of, of Matt Nagy is that he, he seems to want to call the offense that he wants to call rather than calling and designing an offense based around the strengths and the weaknesses not only of Trubisky, but the other guys on the field with Mitchell Trubisky, I think Matt Nagy sometimes called things despite of what some of the strengths and weaknesses of his quarterback and his offense were. That that's where he's really fallen short, in my opinion. I think I do think that there's also you have to factor in the fact that Trubisky had a separated non-throwing shoulder early in the season, and he probably didn't want to put him in harm's way and having have him running around. And taking a lot of hits and shots that that could put him out for a longer period of time than he already was. So we'll see in in 2020 what kind of offense he has he has drawn up and what kind of play calling we see from Matt Nagy. But between those two categories, I think he's done well in one in having the team follow him and his leadership and all stay on the same page. But I really think he's just failed in terms of being an offensive mind and a guy who was supposed to develop Mitchell Trubisky into something better than what he is.
0: I completely agree, and from talking with our buddy Sage Rosenfels, who watches a lot of Chicago tape because he does Chicago radio appearances, he said basically the same thing, is that you know when you're just calling plays and you're not thinking as closely about the skill sets of your players and how those match up, Then, you know, I I think you end up sort of with that Brad Childress thing, that that was some of the biggest criticisms of Brad Childress, that he didn't really have the plan to maximize skill sets, which is something that Gary Kubiak has done so effectively over his career. I want you to try something here. And then I want to get to the Khalil Mack trade. I want you to try what I want to call the Trubisky Challenge. okay I'm going to do this. Leading up to the season, where guests that I have on have to make the argument that Mitch Trubisky is somehow very good this year. Like, this is like when you have debate club, and they give you a subject and a side, and you just have to debate it, and you can't control which side you have. So, tell me the argument for Mitch Trubisky somehow being good this year.
1: Okay. I don't think I don't think it's totally unrealistic. I know how you feel about Mitchell Trubisky. I think there's I think there's clay to mold there. Do I think he can be Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson? No, absolutely not. But the the script for Mitchell Trubisky to be good this year and get get the best out of Mitchell Trubisky that's there is to not ask too much of him, not ask him to be the guy who does everything, and use his athleticism. But ultimately, get the ball out of his hands, get it out of his hands fast, get it to Allen Robinson, get it to David Montgomery, get it Get it to to Tariq Cohen, get it to some of the weapons that they do have on offense. You just used a first-round pick on a tight end and, for some reason, paid Jimmy Graham a bunch of money. Either get the ball out of his hands fast or get him on the move and using his athleticism, either running with the football or throwing the football on the move, because that's where he thrives.
0: I'm not convinced, but good try. I think that was, that was, solid. <laughs> it was like, you maybe he...
1: I don't know that I could have convinced you necessarily. there,
0: well, you know, when somebody is so just wildly inaccurate all the time, that's tough. But if they are able to use his athleticism a little more and they bootleg him out and do some of the things that Gary Kubiak has done, I, I just, there's no justification for not having a high rate of play action in the NFL in 2019. And they didn't last year, they were somewhere in the, the like 18 or 19% of passes using play action. And when Sage talks about the hardest thing for an NFL quarterback is to drop back and throw. And that's what you're asking this guy to do. Who's not very good. I mean, you're kind of missing something pretty big there. So, all right, well, a good attempt. Cleo Mack, when he gets traded, I will never forget the internet's reaction. It just lost its We still can't swear on this podcast. It lost its mind when Khalil Mack was traded to the Chicago Bears because they thought, John Gruden, what are you, a psycho trading away one of the best players in the NFL? However, Khalil Mack is going to make the money that a quarterback would make going forward here and as great as he is and unstoppable as he is, and he single-handedly dominated the game in week four last year that caused Stefan Diggs to skip practice after Khalil Mack was the best player on the field that day. And he does that pretty often, but do you have regrets? I mean, if you're the Chicago bears because of the way this plays out with how much money you're having to spend on a very, very good defensive end. I
1: don't, I don't think so. And when, when that trade happened as a Bears fan, I was very happy to get Khalil Mack, but I also didn't think it was that dumb on the part of John Gruden and the Raiders. I thought it was a trade that really for both, where both franchises were was, was a smart move for both franchises. The Bears were a team that was trying to take, take a leap and, and become contenders and become a winning team now. They were in win now mode and, and the Raiders had just hired John Gruden. They were sort of tearing the whole thing down. And rebuilding from the ground up. And so it makes sense to get a bunch of draft picks if that's the position that you're in. And like you just said, a, a game changing pass rusher, the likes of Khalil Mack, they, it, that changes a football team overnight. And if you, if you were anywhere close to being a contender, Khalil Mack sort of gets you over that hump. And we saw that in the 2018 season. I, I don't think Khalil Mack is what's holding you back from, from, from being a winning football team and a playoff team. In in 2020, or hopefully we'll see we'll see how he ages. But I don't think that's what stops you from being a a, a quality and and winning football team at any point in Khalil Max tenure here. I think what's going to be the difference is what can Matt Nagy get out of that offense? Because even with the defense being what it was last year, Collar, relative to 2018 and all the turnovers that they had, even a defense that did what they did last year. If you just have an adequate offense, we're talking about a playoff team. If you have a good offense, we're talking about a team that can make a deep playoff run. I don't, I don't think Khalil Mack holds the Bears back from being what what they thought they could be when they made that trade.
0: Before we get back to the conversation, got to take a second to thank our sponsors, Soda Stick. Go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen yet the Can't Stop the Feelin' Hat you got to check it out. It's part of an official partnership with Adam Thielen. If you need to get some new hats for summer, they're having their annual summer hat deal right now. Get 30% off select hats when buying two or more. Sodastick.com to shop. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. 30% off select hats. No code needed. Discount automatically applied at checkout. Deal ends June 20th. I want you to give me percentage chances on a couple of things. I'm just going to throw them out, and you give me percentage chances on the Bears. Percentage chance that the Bears are back in the playoffs in 2020.
1: I, I actually I like their chances of getting back in the playoffs in 2020. A, because I think they have some, some guys in their second and third year who are going to make a leap in terms of their progress. And B, I, I, I think that defense is good enough. And see you look at the turnover in terms of the playoff picture in the NFL year in and year out. I think the Bears are one of the teams closer to the NFC playoff picture. I want to put them at about fifty five, sixty percent oh, if wow. they get into the playoffs in 2020. yep,
0: that would that would be, I think a lot higher than where someone like uh, Las Vegas would look at it, or ESPN's football power index, which I think had them more around the forty percent, but not crazy to think of them as a playoff team. Percentage chance that the Vikings beat the Bears at Soldier Field if there are no fans in the stands?
1: Mm. I'll, give, I'll give them about a 35-40% shot, because that, that's, that's that's for whatever reason, they just do not play well in Chicago, but obviously the fans play a part in that. I, I do still think there's a, a home field advantage, even with no fans, just the advantage of sleeping in your own bed, driving your own car to work, in the morning, I, I think the Bears still have a hefty advantage at Soldier Field, but the Vikings probably have a better chance than they'd have in a normal year. I'll give them about a 35%, 40% shot.
0: All right, last one. Percentage chance that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback of the Chicago Bears 2021?
1: Oh, 2021. Yes. I'm going to say about 30%. Yeah. It's It's going to take going to take a really, really good season for me. He's going to have to win his job, first of all. And he's going to have to probably lead this team to the playoffs to, to, to come back as, as their starter in 2021. And I like their chances of making the playoffs, but I don't necessarily think That happens with Trubisky under center. So I'm going to put his chances of being the Bears quarterback at about 30 35% in 2021.
0: Yeah, the toughest situation that they could get into is if they had the Blake Bortles season with Jacksonville, where, I mean, he gets them to the AFC championship game, and they're Mm -hmm. like, well, we've got to stick with Blake Bortles. But he was still bad, even though they got to the AFC championship and were leading the New England Patriots in the fourth quarter. Bortles was not changing his stripes at that point. They bring him back. They decide, you know, Chicago gets killed for not drafting Deshaun Watson or uh, drafting uh, Patrick Mahomes, but Jacksonville picked Leonard Fournette in that draft. They deserve just as much or more criticism than Chicago. At least Chicago picked a quarterback. They properly
1: identified when the When you look at the Bears and right their position. history at quarterback, wouldn't that be the most Bears thing ever? If he was just barely good enough? them to, to, to have a glimmer of hope and yes. belief in him yes. and bring him back in 2021 and then he reverts back to being Mitch Trubisky.
0: Well, that is exactly where I want to start our Hot Routes. Have you missed Hot Routes, Rami? I
1: miss Hot Routes yeah. so much.
0: Everybody misses Hot Routes, so that's why we've brought them to the Purple Insider Podcast. So I've, got I've just to...
1: been spelling stuff with a Z just to make <laughs> me think <laughs> of Hot Routes.
0: Just like Tupac used to on his albums. <laughs> All eyes on me, (laughs) E-Y-E-Z. That's how you're doing it. So, I I have four hot route questions for you here, and it starts with Chicago since that's been our main topic of conversation. Did you know or were you aware that if Mitch Trubisky has a 4,000 yard season, he cracks the Bears' top five all time passers in yards? And if he throws 20 touchdowns, he's top three all-time Bears quarterbacks if he throws 20 touchdowns this year. I want you to give me, since they have such an assorted history of quarterbacks, your top three favorite Bears quarterbacks to ever play any amount of time for the Chicago Bears.
1: Okay, two of them are easy. Two of these came right to mind immediately. I had to I had to give some thought to the third one. But number one, the funky QB, Jim McMahon, he won my team a Super Bowl, and he was just the coolest dude in the world to five, six-year-old Rami growing up. I had, I had the sunglasses collar. I had the <laughs> headband. I had the punky QB spike mullet. I had the whole look going when I was a little kid. And I think, I think Jim McMahon getting traded from the Chicago Bears was the first sports thing to make me cry. Just ball as an eight or nine-year-old child. Spike mullet and waking up in the morning (laughs) to the news that the Bears just traded Jim McMahon. So that was easy. I love Jay Cutler. I'm a Jay Cutler apologist, always have been, will be to the day I die. I still contend Jay Cutler could have had a great career. I, I would even dare to say he could have been a Hall of Fame quarterback if the Bears didn't ruin him. The Bears did everything you can possibly do to ruin a quarterback. They put him in systems that were a bad fit, he had a different offensive coordinator every year. They put him behind garbage offensive lines year in and year out. And until his last two years where they finally got him some weapons, they gave him garbage to throw the football to, including Devin Hester as his number one wide receiver for two years. So Jake Cutler could have been great. The Bears ruined him. I will stand by that till the day I die. The third one is tough for me. I I love Doug Flutie. And I know his time in Chicago was very, very short. But I'd, I'd love to be some Doug Flutie and Matthew Collar. But ultimately – I went with Eric Kramer, who also had a short stay in Chicago. But, man, that guy was just throwing the ball all over the football field and had probably the two best. I remember doing this with Mackie and Judd when we were talking about the history of Bears quarterbacks uh, a while back. And I think he put up the two most prolific seasons passing-wise of a Bears quarterback ever when he had Marcus Robinson as his number one wide receiver, and like I said, just chucking it all over the field for a couple of years there before he had his Bears tenure ended by injuries. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with those three: McMahon, Cutler, and Jim, and Eric Kramer.
0: Okay, first of all, I need to start a new bit on the show, and I'm just saying it out loud so I remember it. Like irrational love of players that you will just argue ridiculous things because you love them so much. And Jay Cutler should have been a Hall of Famer. Goes under our new irrational love bit. <laughs> Uh, For sure. Jim McMahon, I was just watching the other day, the 85 NFC Championship game against the Rams in which the Rams offense just wanted to go home and cry against the Bears defense. But Jim McMahon was also awesome in the game. And that's the one where he got fined $5,000 for wearing the wrong headband or something. And so he wrote Pete Rozelle's name on the headband and it just became infamous. So Jim McMahon definitely belongs on the list. I knew that you would include Jim McMahon, so I picked some other ones here that you did not pick. Cordell Stewart was one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up, and he was only briefly a bear, and it went horribly, but... Way ahead of his time, slash, playing the wide receiver. I mean, every video game I was using Cordell Stewart, he'd have, like, 90 speed. If people played the Madden 04 with Michael Vick, and they used to just take off and run all the time, well, that was me on, like, Madden 98 with Cordell Stewart. Um, Just really loved watching him play. And, And a guy who was ahead of his time, and probably in today's game, they work an offense around some of his shortcomings, throwing the ball. And it wasn't that he couldn't throw. It was just, like, inconsistent accuracy. I, I think that in today's offenses, Cordell Stewart would have been way better than he was for his career, which actually, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh was pretty competitive with him as their starting quarterback.
1: Uh, Josh, Yeah, Mc- he, was, he was a solid quarterback for a stretch there, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and, and fun, and just, like, one of the most fun players in the NFL for a little bit. Uh, Josh McCown's brief stint of being, like, the GOAT for five weeks – In what, 2013 for the Chicago Bears is one of the most random and strange. You think about this guy's career and how he's almost never won. He's had a, a bunch of different stretches with teams. I think he had all of his kids and all of their friends wear his different jerseys. And he's always been bad, except for this five or six game stretch in Chicago. And you just have to love Josh McCown for that. And the guts that he showed last year. To come into that game, and I think he got hurt in the game in Philly, his lone playoff game he's ever had. I I love that. I love Josh McCown. He's one of the coolest guys ever. And how many backup quarterbacks? I picked two backup quarterbacks who once played receiver. Josh McCown actually played receiver (laughs) briefly for Detroit because their coach was so mad at the receivers. And a great, great athlete. And Doug Flutie was my other one. Again, not a Chicago Bear for very long. But what Doug Flutie did in Buffalo in the late 90s, he will always be one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, The Flutie Flakes and him taking the Bills to -to back-to-back playoffs, getting benched for Rob Johnson uh, in a playoff game. So um, always one of my favorite guys. Lit up the CFL. I love those stories. Lit up the CFL and then comes back. So those, those are my three. How do you like my list?
1: By the way, Josh McCown, I don't know if you've seen the highlights. He can hoop. Oh, yeah. He can play basketball, which is one of the more surprising things just looking at him. And uh, Doug Flutie, very good drummer. Very good drummer. He's in a band. I did know that. background information on a couple of the guys that you had there. Now,
0: the Josh McCown thing, one of my favorite nuggets about Josh McCown is there's a website called Relative Athletic Scores that takes your NFL Combine performance height and weight and position and sort of combines it into a one to 10 athletic score to compare across your, your, uh, your peers. Josh McCown is one of the most athletic quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL since the uh, <laughs> combine era. He's up there. I'm not even kidding. His score is close to Cam Newton. <laughs>
1: That's it's insane. amazing.
0: It's insane.
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: So there you go. Josh McCown facts. Uh, all right. Question number two here in hot routes. For you, Rami. Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk does his annual quarterback countdown, which usually turns out to be ludicrous in the way that he ranks his NFL quarterbacks. But one of the toughest tasks for anyone ranking quarterbacks is the rookies. So out of 32, where would you put Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert out of 32 starters? Assuming that Tua and Herbert start, which, you know, they might not.
1: Now, this is, this is if I want to win a football game today, right? This isn't, I'm starting a team and I pick right. a quarterback for the long haul. Yes, this is, yes. I need this to win a game today. Where season. do these guys rank?
0: Yeah, 2020 season.
1: Okay. I'm not a big Justin Herbert guy. Same. I can't, Justin Herbert can't be higher than 25 or 26 on my list. There, there, there are a few bad quarterbacks in the league who I have next to no faith in less than I would. Even a rookie who who I don't know a whole lot about or just don't really believe all that much in, I'd put Justin Herbert at about 25, 26.
0: I think that's totally I, fair. I I'm mean, not as
1: high on Joe Burrow as as a lot of people are. I think Joe Burrow is probably about twenty. Think so? Really? I mean, you just don't I know with rookie quarterbacks, Collar. You, yeah. you have no idea with rookie quarterbacks. Guys can look good. At the college level and, and, even if they're going to go on to have really good NFL careers, they just don't necessarily look at in their rookie year. I mean, look at Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman and their rookie years right. and, and how awful that they were. So I can't put Joe Burrow any higher than, than, than 20 and Tua probably about 15th or 16th. And I think that's even being generous for, for Tua. and and going into his rookie year, I would rank him. If you're asking me, I need to win a game now in 2020, I like Burrow and I like Tua in terms of their future. I'm not a big Justin Herbert guy, but if you're asking me who can win me a football game now, stepping into the league and winning football games is, is, is not something a lot of guys do in this league. So putting them anywhere higher than 15 or 20 is just crazy, even if you're talking about guys the caliber of Burrow or Tua. And Justin Herbert, like I said, Putting him down about 25 or 26.
0: Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you that there is no shortage of action going on right now at our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, blue wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, Justin Herbert is the big-armed guy who didn't actually impress you that much with his college performance, so usually that doesn't work out great. I would put him in probably the bottom three to pick for the 2020 season. That adjustment to the NFL is going to be really hard for him. Uh, Tua, I love the adjustment for him if he runs the right offense. Like, at Alabama, he was so good at RPOs and making quick decisions and getting the ball out that I think he could play well right away if he gets an opportunity. guess is that they sit him and are smart about that the reason i would put burrow in the top 20 a little bit higher than you is because i think he's got the weapons to work with right away joe Mixon, aj green tyler boyd is pretty good all the offensive lines for these three quarterbacks are abysmal but the fact that he was also coming from an nfl style offense with joe brady as his oc and uh is like maybe older than you at this point uh joe burrow He's like 24 for for a rookie, but that means you know, he's got a little more um, experience, a little more life experience, and I think can probably do it. But he was a one-year wonder in college, so it's really tough to project all three of these guys. If you're putting them anywhere higher than the top 15 or 18, you're probably crazy. But you'd start a franchise with at least two of them. Uh, next question. Oh,
1: for sure. Um, yeah.
0: Speaking of quarterbacks, here's the guys that I consider to be in prove-it years, and if you disagree with them, Uh, Tell me. Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, Mitch Trubisky, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Drew Locke are all, even though some of them only in their second years, in sort of prove-it years, show that you can be an NFL quarterback. uh, Which quarterbacks on that list are starting for their teams in 2021?
1: Now, when you say prove it, you don't mean blow the doors off. You just mean good enough that their team continues to 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 move forward with them as the quarterback right and the quarterback of the future right Right.
0: so i'll give you an example let's say kyler murray who i really liked last year let's say he throws 30 interceptions like then his team is still his team is probably thinking about moving on like they might not get rid of him but that would be in their mind like we can't run this guy out there or he might not actually be good I mean, think about how quickly we've already decided, like Sam Darnold might not be good or Baker Mayfield might not be good because they didn't take big steps in year two. I think anybody who was a rookie in 2019 has that same type of pressure, and if they were horrible, if Drew Locke is horrible, his team might move on. So who do you think out of that list is still the quarterback for their team in 2021?
1: Since you mentioned Kyler Murray, I'll I'll start there. I I, I love Kyler Murray. I think he takes a, a step forward and and looks like one of the promising young quarterbacks in the league. By the time the 2020 season is over, I know a lot of people might snicker at this and and he's an easy guy to to, to write into your punchlines, but I I still like Baker Mayfield, man. I I think he's got a lot of the tools that you need to be a very good quarterback in this league. And I talked a lot when I had a job, Matthew Collins about how much I like Kevin Stefanski as an offensive mind and 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 his work with quarterbacks. So I, I think that Baker Mayfield takes a big step forward this year. And you talk about weapons, that guy's got the weapons to throw to up and down. So I, I think Baker Mayfield takes a big step forward this year, changes the narrative around him, and, and you see the arrow pointing up, and he's the, the quarterback of the future for the Cleveland Browns. I think Daniel Jones will be good enough. That people still think he can be, not that people will be convinced that he is the quarterback of the future. But I think he'll be good enough that people still think he can be, with with a with a question mark. Dwayne Haskins, I think, probably gets exposed a little bit this year with a little bit more playing time. I'm not a big Josh Allen guy. He reminds me a lot of Mitchell Trubisky, which is to say that yes, there are some tools there, there is some athletic ability there, but it's it's a very narrow path to be a winning football team with Josh Allen and, and to get the most out of him. I like Sam Darnold. I'll say the same thing about Sam Darnold that I said about Daniel Jones. I think he'll be good enough that people still think he can be the quarterback. They may not be convinced yet, but they still think that it's it's a possibility that he can grow into that. Gardner Minshew, I think that the Jaguars will have the number one pick. Every mock draft that I've seen yes. says yes. that the Jaguars will have the number one pick in 2021. So... I don't think he survives there. Mitchell Trubisky, we talked about that earlier. I I don't think he'll be good enough. I think there's a slight chance that he'll be good enough that the Bears and Bears fans can hold out some hope for him. Drew Locke, I haven't seen a lot of. but John Elway seems pretty sold on Drew Locke. I don't think even one okay or or subpar year from Drew Locke is going to make John Elway move off that position. I think he's sticks with Drew Locke at least through 2021 before he makes a, a final decision on him.
0: Elway also has no idea what he's doing when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, That's the quarterback. true. That so is So that could true. be another thing, yeah. too. Yeah, well, this is – I like uh, my own question here because it's a hard exercise to do uh, to try and look in the crystal ball. Daniel Jones, organizationally, they really put their butts on the line with Daniel Jones. So if things go wrong – They would probably fire Dave Gettleman. I'm guessing that he would be on the hot seat here. If they win four games and Daniel Jones is horrendous, they're firing him and they're looking for a new GM who's going to go out on the quarterback market probably. Uh, But I still think they would go the soft route, the Nick Foles route and give Daniel Jones more opportunities. Haskins is the one that, I think actually might turn out to be good. Washington has a chance to be a surprising team this year because their division is not super special. Their defensive line has been stacked up for quite some time, and if Haskins takes a step forward with Terry McLaurin as his number one wide receiver, he's got a good shot. The fact that they didn't draft a quarterback... If they go 2-14 and 14 this year and they're drafting number one, yeah, sorry, Dwayne Heskins is not their quarterback anymore. But if they went 8-8, eight and eight, I think he is going forward. Josh Allen is in the prove-it year of all prove-it years. If you can't succeed with Stephon Diggs when Case Keenum can succeed with Stephon Diggs, you're just gone. Like That's the end of you. Uh, Darnold is, is a hot one because I think that it's always been upside, 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 upside for Sam Darnold. And we haven't seen it yet. He could be that kind of guy where he has another mediocre year where there's great games and terrible games and they decide, "Eh, fire everybody. Let's move on and see what we see what we can get or maybe be in the draft here. A lot of these teams, if it goes wrong, they're at the top of the draft and they have to pick uh, either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Mayfield, I agree with your assessment that Kevin Stefanski is going to turn him around, and his rookie year was so good they wouldn't bail quickly. Same thing with uh, Kyler Murray. Drew Locke, I think, probably has the highest chance of going 4-12 and 12, and then them just moving on quickly because the rest of that team is pretty good. But a lot, of, a lot of quarterbacks improve at situations. Gardner Minshew doesn't have much of a chance to be their franchise quarterback, I think. All right, final hot routes question for you, Rami. This has been lots of fun. Uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN looked at what players would be avali- available if there was an expansion draft in the NFL if they ever added a 33rd team. So let's say that you um, are no longer unemployed. In fact, you're wildly rich. And so you are starting your expansion team. Give me your city, I like this. your team name, and the backup quarterback that you would poach to start your franchise with.
1: All right. I'm going to write a wrong, Matthew Collar. I'm <laughs> going to write a wrong. Okay. I'm going to put a second team in our nation's capital, in our great oh. nation's capital, Matthew Collar. I'm going to put a second team in Washington, D.C where their football team's name has been a racial slur for many, many years. Uh-huh. I'm going to name that football team the Washington Kaepernicks and my quarterback, of <laughs> course. He's not, he's not a backup quarterback right now, but he should be in the league. I'm going off the board. Colin Kaepernick is my quarterback of the Washington Kaepernicks of the NFL.
0: The wokest team in the National Football League <laughs> that you have found. <laughs> They are taking the lead with the Washington Kaepernicks. Uh, that, that's funny. That's that's very funny. Um, you know, it's...
1: Trying to right as many wrongs as I can, Matt. You the, the that's fa- I'm trying to do.
0: The fact that the Vikings wouldn't even answer the question about Colin Kaepernick gives you the chances of you starting a team called the Washington Kaepernicks are about the same as him having a job this year, I think. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you know, so... It's uh that that is that is a very very tricky situation for the NFL, but you solved it. You're like, okay, guys, I'll take them on my team because it's actually the team name. That's good. Uh, I am going as to, you
1: know. I'm a problem solver. It's what I do.
0: I love leagues that failed. So I love the UFL, the USFL, the AAF, the XFL. You know this about me. My favorite team name of all time for any of those. Um, at least in – well, there's, I mean, there's a, the Berlin Fire was a pretty cool team for NFL Europe. That's pretty good. Uh, but I'm going to bring back the Sacramento Mountain Lions. And, <laughs> and, and yep, yep, Sacramento Mountain Lions are going to be my team because uh, I love their name. I love their jerseys. Culpepper played for them. Denny Green coached them, like a great connection to the Vikings. My quarterback is going to be not Josh McCown – but Luke McCown, you know why? We're tanking. We're trying to lose every game that first year. We are tanking for Trevor, and we're going to get either Trevor or Justin Fields by going 1-15 or 0-16. That's, that is the plan of the Sacramento Mountain Lions, to start with Trevor Lawrence. Um, but if it, if it wasn't him, gosh, I don't know. I mean, what backup quarterback would give you a chance right now? Andy Dalton, I guess? I guess I would take Andy Dalton and try to win us nine games. What? What league? What league was the Sacramento Mountain
1: Lions from?
0: That was the UFL. Oh, I. You know what? I'll take Cam. Let's start our team around Cam Newton. He's still a free agent, so let's That's go. Solid. Let's let's get Cam That's healthy. Solid. Let's get him into our uh, our our new vast health program in Sacramento and uh, get him up to hundred percent. Get him with an offensive coach, and let's go. Let's go with Cam Newton and the Sacramento Mountain Lions.
1: Love it. Let's go. <laughs> oh let's man.
0: I saw Brian Baldinger tweet out a clip from his old broadcasts in NFL Europe, and I'm like, man, I always want to live in a world where there are side leagues trying to start and ultimately failing because they just have such great (laughs) stories. Um Rami, this this has been a lot of fun and uh what I want to do with you is check in and get that percentage points uh on a consistent basis on whether you think that Chicago will make the playoffs based on different Chicago based news items if we can do that. So thanks for taking the time to come on, buddy. Anytime,
1: collar. Hit me up.